This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Finding Your Bliss with host Judy Liebrach, heard every Saturday at 1 p.m. on Zoomer Radio. Hi, and welcome to Finding Your Bliss, a show that helps you find and follow your bliss. I'm Judy Liebrach. On today's show, we are talking about a very serious and important topic, and that is mental health. Until we identify and heal the emotional and psychological trauma that is keeping us from living our best life, we can't even begin to talk about the word bliss, let alone experience it. Did you know that according to CAMH, Center for Addiction and Mental Health, that around 450 million people currently struggle with mental illness, making it the leading cause of disability worldwide. Here at home in Canada, it affects more than 6.7 million of us. In fact, one in two Canadians have or have had a mental illness by the time they reach 40 years of age, and 1.2 million young Canadians struggle with mental health issues. Alarming statistics like this only underscore the need for all of us to get involved in one way or another. There is one person who got very involved, and that is cognitive behavioral therapy counselor Leanne Matlow. In recognizing that we are facing a mental health crisis in this country, she wanted to change all of that by creating a Mental Health Empowerment Day, which is taking place tomorrow on Sunday, October 27th from 9.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Beth Seddick Congregation at 1700 Bathurst Street in Toronto. She is joined by author Sharonice Arbus, who wrote a book called Me and My So-Called Friends, and is also the creator of Brave the Waves, a program for building resiliency in the classrooms, whereby Sharon has collaborated with social workers, educators, and psychologists to help address the most complex issues that teens and middle school students are facing today. And finally, later in the program, we will be joined by Lindsay Holland. She is a talented fine arts photographer who will share her personal story and how she overcame a very serious mental health issue. Leanne and Sharon, welcome. Thank, Thank you, you, Judy. Leanne Matlow, you are a cognitive behavioral therapy counselor specializing in anxiety for children and adolescents. You are trained as a teacher and guidance counselor with a master's degree from OISE, Toronto's Institute of Child Study, as well as your certificate in cognitive behavior therapy from the Beck Institute in Philadelphia. Correct. That's true. That's me. (laughs) (laughs) We're so delighted that you're here. Thanks for having me. I think, as you said, this is an incredibly important topic, and I um, honor that you are um, sharing this hour with your listeners because it's so important. I agree with you. I think this is this is so important, and I'm so glad that we're doing this. This very important conference, the Mental Health Empowerment Day, is your brainchild, and this is your third year doing it. What led you to create this one-day symposium around mental health for youth? So I like to say that all good ideas start over a cup of coffee because I have a <laughs> love of coffee. But um, it was really, as you described, as in my work in various schools and working with summer camps and different institutions, it became clear to me that people need resources and education 
And doing it one-on-one was, in a, you know, not sufficient and inefficient. So um, I had the idea to create a one-day event that is very low cost because the goal is to get as many people in the room in the, as possible. And it really has three objectives. We want to, number one, end stigma. Just the fact that there are signs up and people are talking about mental health, I think, is already a step ahead of where we've been in the past. The second is to educate. There's a lot of labels and names that are used around mental health and people don't use them incorrectly, don't really understand what they mean or actually make fun of them, which Mm -hmm. is really horrible for the sufferers. And the third is to build a community of people who are knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. So, you know, no one is raised without a village and we can all help each other. And when we share our stories we do feel empowered and we can also rely on each other, which we've come to do with so many other causes and illnesses. And I think the time is now for to do that around mental health. Absolutely. What are some of the mental health issues and challenges that youth and teens are facing today? So honestly, I do believe it's harder to grow up in 2019 than it was when I grew up back way back when. Um, Many of the issues are around our technology. I think it's both a friend and a foe, but more a foe when it comes to mental health. Um, We actually have the most connected generation, but we also have the most isolated generation. We have more depression than there ever has been before. Unfortunately, we have more suicides than we've ever had before in that age group. And part of that is because, you know, likes and hearts and comments on Facebook and Instagram and all the other technologies, Twitter, um, those are not your friends. Mm -hmm. And that's one problem. People don't connect in the same way. We grow up in a society that we protect our kids. If you, in my opinion, overprotect them, kids aren't walking home. They're not just finding their way onto the street to play road hockey. Everything's organized for them. Everything is so set. Mm. And um, it's just more difficult. It's more competitive. It's harder to be successful. And um, I think there's a lot of pressure on them. And we don't do a very good job, I don't believe, in educating them to be resilient. Mm -hmm. That's why I think Sharon's program is wonderful. And also, we don't teach them just sort of basic coping skills. We tend to advocate, over-advocate for Mm -hmm. them Mm -hmm. instead of teaching them how to Mm -hmm. advocate for themselves. That's so true. That's very, very true. What I wish you knew is your theme this year, and I love it. It's so wonderful. What does it mean exactly? So our tagline came from the idea that this is now our third event. And so initially we had um, just reached out to teachers and educators and coaches and camp counselors. And then what came clear is parents are a huge, huge factor. So last year we opened it up and had a separate um, event in Mental Health Empowerment Day for parents. But this year... We're just doing a combination and really inviting the entire community, anyone who has Hmm. any touch point or even not, just to learn. And we're going to hear this year from some incredible lived experience young people. We're going to hear from someone who is incredible, already done a TED Talk. He's our inaugural MHead Talk, Mm. who's going to be talking about peer counselors and a way to receive help. When One of the issues we know is that if you... Do you have a child with a diagnosis or are suffering from a problem? It's really hard to get help. Where do I go? Mm -hmm. So we're going to answer those questions. We're going to have people there from 
the um, from Sunnybook doctors. We're going to have educators. We're going to have Donna Green there from Stella's Place. Wow, who who created Stella's Place as a result of seeing with her own child um, a gap in the system. So it's really going to be stories about empowerment through lived experience. And the most exciting thing is we have Peter Ackman from CTV News and W5, who's going to be our moderator of our panel this wow. year. And he's going to talk about his story. And he's wonderful and charismatic. And it's going to be a great day. You organized all this, Leanne. You're terrific. You're doing, you're doing it's a, my passion project. <laughs> you're doing a wonderful, wonderful thing. Now, you have also written a book, a children's book. I had it right here called Thinking About Thoughts by Leanne Matlow with illustrations by Kyra Kendall. And I've read the book. It's wonderful. And it's really built and created for children, for youth. But I think it's for children of all ages. Absolutely. A friend of mine, when I wrote it, and I remember showing it to him, said, why did you write this book about me? And he was 45 (laughs) at the time. So um, I think one of the struggles when we talk about mental health is we don't know where to start. How do we bring up this topic? It's the elephant in the room, but yet people are so uncomfortable with it. Mm -hmm. So part of the reason for writing the book was to just jumpstart that conversation. It's a story um, about basketball. That was before the Raptors won, but it's a story about a young man who loves basketball, but um, sometimes gets confused by his thoughts. And we all have thoughts we don't want to have. And we also sometimes have too many thoughts or we get confused which ones to believe. And this is a story that's very child-friendly and the illustrations are fabulous. I did not draw them. I can't draw. Um, but it's just a way to start the conversation. And that's how I use it with my clients. And um, it's it's wonderful. How can people get a copy of Thinking About Thoughts? So it is available at Caversham Books in Toronto. It is available on Amazon.com. And they can also um, get in touch with me. Um, and I'm happy to get them a copy. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. We're going to come back to you. Wonderful stuff. Sharon Nice Arbus, you wrote the book, and I have it right over here. It's called Me and My So-Called Friends. This character goes through a, a terrible experience where she's very hurt by her friends, and it culminates in a bit of a break for her. And I don't want to give away the whole story, but something happens to her and she has no choice but to go for help. Yes. And her parents urged her to go to help and she resisted it at first, but then she cooperates and meets with a therapist and together they work on her problem and she gets through it. And the main point of having this example of seeing a therapist is that you don't necessarily have to go see a therapist. It's a great starting point, but as long as you reach out to somebody, a teacher, your hairdresser, a tutor, a friend, an aunt, a parent, a right. sibling, it doesn't matter who, is to reach out and to talk to somebody about what you're going through. Once you have your support in place, it makes it so much easier, bearable, and that you can't get through it. Of course. Of course. Very well put. I love that what grew out of all of this was your program that you brought into the schools called Brave the Waves, a program for building resiliency. Can you tell us more about Brave the Waves? Absolutely. So somebody came up to me after reading the book and said, there are so many lessons in this book. You've got to do something more with it than just sell it on Amazon, which is was fine. And I was definitely creating a conversation. So then I created an advisory group that was built on psychologists, teachers, social workers. And together, 
we created Brave the Waves, which is a 10-lesson workbook that goes with the novel. And together, they create, it's a program for schools. And presently, it's in um, about six schools in Toronto. And each lesson deals with certain themes of the book, such as stress and anxiety, communication. I love I love all of these different topics in the manual. Thank Effective you. communication, uh, stress and anxiety, healthy eating, facing challenges, building positive relationships, changing our thinking, that sense of belonging, social media, making good decisions, and building resiliency. What are the ones that seem to affect teens and youth the most that you hear over and over again? Probably stress and anxiety. And there's actually a sample lesson on my website, uh, bravethewavesprogram.com. And um, this is an exercise that I actually love. You get a huge butcher paper, you know, those long, long papers, and you draw, Your a classmate lies down, you trace their whole body on it, and then you talk about what part of the body is affected when you go through something stressful, mm. like your hands get sweaty, your stomach's in knots. So they realize that, yeah, anxiety is real. Stress is real because you can feel it. And let's talk about it. So then you really, it's not in your head. It's actually something that happens and we need to address it. So fantastic. What a what a wonderful, wonderful thing that you, you're doing. And uh, I, I love that that you can do it with the book, that it's a companion piece. And where can we get the book, Me and My So-Called Friends? On Amazon. You can contact me and also at Caversham Books. Oh, that's fantastic. That's so wonderful. When we come back, we will meet Lindsay Holland, a talented fine arts photographer who will share her mental health struggles and how she overcame it all and really turned her life around. Back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back and we are talking about Mental Health Empowerment Day happening tomorrow, October 27th from 9.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Beth Seddick's Congregation at 1700 Bathurst Street in Toronto. We are here in studio with Leanne Matlow, Sharon Nice Arbus, and now joining us is Lindsay Holland. After an intense personal struggle with depression and with PTSD, which stands for post-traumatic stress disorder, Due to a tragedy she witnessed at 17 years old, Lindsay is here to share the story of her struggle and ultimately her triumph as she turned her life around by asking for help, speaking up and speaking out and healing through her beautiful art, which now brings her great joy and bliss. Lindsay, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. Thanks for that introduction. 
I, I'm actually looking at your art because you very kindly, and I'm going to go back to Leanne's beautiful gift that she brought as well, but I'm looking at this gorgeous card here, your business card, and a beautiful pencil case. And I wish you all could see, and if you go to Lindsay Beth, uh, I'm going to give you her website right now, and it is dot com. And it's just this gorgeous series of, of photos, but the colors are so magnificent. It's really a symphony of color. And when I first saw your card, I was, I was so blown away. And we met uh, even before That's this right. show was happening. And I, I just thought, wow, this, this girl is incredibly, incredibly talented. Lindsay, can you take us back to when you were three years old? You say you knew at three years old that you weren't feeling good. You were suffering. What were you feeling? Um, as long as I can remember, I've had thoughts in my head um, about not liking myself and wondering what was wrong with the way that I was thinking, what was wrong with who I was as a person. It's been in my life as long as I can remember. And did you ever talk to anyone about what you were feeling like as a little kid? I'm not saying as a three-year-old, yeah. but once you were cognizant, did you ever talk to a parent or to anybody in a position of authority about this? Or? No, because I figured, you know, it's in your body. It's in your head. So I figured, I remember thinking like, oh, well, this just sucks that I feel this way. I'd rather not. And I would cry a lot. Um, and then I just kind of thought that was my life. I didn't even... I just thought that life hurt. Mm -hmm. Isn't that, that's, that's so terrible that you had to go, <laughs> go, go through that. And at age 17, something quite monumental happened to you. You went to Costa Rica on a trip with a friend, with a mm -hmm. close friend, and something terrible happened. Can you take us back to that time? Um, yeah, we were on a summer trip for school. And unfortunately, there was a flash flood. Um, and in that moment, three um, young people passed away um, and three people didn't. And I was one of the people that didn't, but observed the entire event. So it was difficult for me. So sorry that this happened. And, <laughs> and, and you absorbed the guilt and you absorbed the shame and, and you took it on. Yes, there is that survivor's guilt that I think happens when, and that resulted in me feeling worse about who I was. And that's really when things started spiraling a little bit for me. And what happened between, because I know another major event happened when you became a young mother, but mm -hmm. what happened after age 17 until you became a mother for the first time? Like what, what was, what were you feeling and, and doing and were you going for help? What was happening to you? I think I, I, I did have therapists through the years, but I would just spend the hour crying to them. I never had a psychiatrist. I never considered medication and I never thought that I was clinically depressed. Um, it just didn't cross my mind ever. And did and it never cross their mind? Like, did anyone ever suggest to you that maybe you were seeing, seeking the wrong help and you needed to seek a medical um, doctor? I believe there was one, but, you know, as a family, we decided that it wasn't the right thing to do. And at that time, um, and again, speaking to mental health advocacy, there wasn't a lot of conversations around it mm -hmm. at that, that age. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I coped really well. Um, I was a very high functioning depressed person. Um, but in the moments of the deep depression, it was hard for me to, to function and that I would hide it and 
it was mostly my thoughts, my thoughts, my thoughts, my thoughts. And what would you do to cope? I mean, you had to, I'm sure, have to find some coping mechanisms to get through it. Um, I cried a lot. <laughs> and um, I just, I just, one step in front of the other. It was like one day at a time every, for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially after what you mentioned, the birth of my second child, um, I think that there was some complications during his birth. And you know, again, undiagnosed, I believe I probably had postpartum depression, which then exacerbated the PTSD. And it was just one day at a time. I felt at the end of the day, if my kids were still alive, then I'd done a good job. So what, can you tell us what it was like when you had this postpartum depression and things started to fall apart? Mm -hmm. What, what happened that ultimately led you to get the help that you, that you needed and that, and that thank God worked for you? Um, there was not a lot of joy in my life at that time. And um, I, I had a lot of panic attacks. I, I didn't know what they were. I thought that, you know, I just was filled with dread. Um, and I wouldn't be able to get up off the ground or function. And thankfully, somebody who works in the health, mental health world recognized it in me and said, I think, I think you need help. And I thank her all the time. Wow. For recognizing she saved your that. life. She did save my life. She really did. She sent you to a psychiatrist. And yep. what happened from that moment on? Um, my psychiatrist diagnosed me with PTSD and major depressive disorder on that first visit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started medication for that. I was um, open to it. It was a shock to me that I was diagnosed. Again, I, I never thought that I had anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started medication and and it's been working. So it's been about five years. Isn't that wonderful? Yes. You you first notice it, and, and I think people don't realize yeah. this. They think it's going to be a magic pill and you're going to feel better immediately, but that didn't happen. It took about six weeks for you to start to feel it, good. Yeah, it took about a year and a half for the whole thing for me to really, with a psychiatrist, but the first six weeks, um, I remember the first thought that I had, which was a joyous thought or a, mm. a thought at least that I was, that the negative thoughts could maybe not be there. <laughs> Before the show, you told me that something very interesting happened at the six-week mark yeah. where you started to berate yourself and then you stopped, stopped. yourself. That's right. That's and what can happened. You tell us, can you tell us what that was like? Yeah, my my dialogue, my inner dialogue has always been negative. Um, again, as long as I can remember. And it was after that six weeks when I was, um, talking to myself about making the kids lunch and I was late and it, it wasn't happening. And all of the same dialogue came into my head. And I was like, wait, who said that? Mm-hmm. Like, who's talking to mm-hmm. me that way? It's so awful. Mm-hmm. And I said, I, I, no, I don't want to talk to myself that way anymore. It's okay. Yeah. And I, you know, almost created like a character that was outside of myself that would just yammer on. I'd be like, hey, buddy, I've got this. I can, I'm okay. And I kept telling myself that every day. Yeah. And you started to feel the shift. And, and I was, started, yeah. And what what was that like when you started to feel that shift and to, to, to really feel good in a way you really never had? You're 44 years old. You had never felt that way mm-hmm. in really 40, I'm going to say over 40 years. Yeah. So this must have been monumental. It, it was like having an additional layer of skin put on me. I felt that before I was very raw. Everything hurt. Um, I was very irritable. 
um, I couldn't see through that to see the good things. And the medication acted like an extra protection over me mm-hmm. where I could start seeing the world differently wow. and seeing my experiences differently. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. And when that occurred, all of a sudden something else happened. You say that you had this breakthrough mm-hmm. and all of a sudden your life started to turn around with your art and your photography and mm-hmm. how your work is a true expression of yourself and really represents the healing force that mm-hmm. photography had on you. You are self-taught. You say you are mm-hmm. fascinated by textures and layers and light and color. How did you find art? I, mean, I know I'm jumping sort of yeah, ahead, but I'm wondering I, what happened from that first turnaround to start feeling like you had that extra layer of skin to discovering this incredible talent that you had. Thank you. Um, I never considered myself an artist. I, I never thought that I had any talent. And it was once I started feeling better that I, it was really one of those situations where I'm like, everything is, is so beautiful. Like, f- you know, physically, I looked at the world differently. Maybe I had an extra lens on my eyeballs. It was an out of world experience. And I was like, wow, these petals on the, I've never noticed that flowers have petals. I never noticed the reflections in buildings. I never noticed water ripples. It it, it wasn't something that I was able to take in when I was dealing with everything else. So I started capturing it with my camera, just my iPhone. And it just filled me up. It really made me feel good to capture these images. And and, uh, I started sharing them and other people liked them as well. And it was just seeing the world in a different perspective physically allowed me to start thinking, well, maybe I can think about everything differently. And so things that used to make me feel a certain way, like I would have a mindset or a habit or a paradigm, mm-hmm. I was allowing myself to switch that. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. And so not only were you creating beauty, but you were seeing beauty. Yes. Not just in your art, but in your life in and in life. your interactions with others. Oh, and, yes. And everything opened up for you. Yes. And I started to understand the concept of self-love, which is, you know, it's more than just a manicure and a massage. It's it's about looking back at your experiences, looking back at whatever story you hold on so tight to and everyone has trauma in their life mm-hmm. um, and letting it go and saying this, I can rewrite my story today mm-hmm. um, or at least rewrite another chapter mm-hmm. and start right now. Um, and so I do that, you know, because I still obviously struggle sometimes. It, um, but I choose how I want to feel and how I want to exist in the world. I feel like affirmations are part of your life too. Yeah. You, you just, you become a very positive, affirmative person. Yes. <laughs> right. And I think you even mentioned in the green room something about vision boards. Did you visioning? Yes. So, yes. Um, and I have a mindset coach that I work with and I've done vision boards. Um, speaking on the radio was on my <laughs> bucket list <laughs> list of goals and I, sharing my story. Um, when I first shared my story, the the feeling I got was really, really intense and, and special. And I felt that there has to be other people that are experiencing what I experienced. And, you know, and there is help for a majority of people. Um, and it takes some time to figure that out and what it is. Each person is obviously different. Um, but yeah, I would, I write out my goals and in, in the present tense, 
And I think about all of the habits that I used to have and kind of shifting them into habits that work for me now. How is your life different now? <laughs> you know, I don't I don't know if it is on the outside, but on the inside, I'm I'm so much more aware of of the beauty in life. I appreciate having fun. Hmm. Um and I have joyful moments when I, you know, I'm not going out dancing. I'm just at home by myself. I love spending time alone now. I love, um, I, I think the difference is I just really love myself and the people around me more. Um, and I understand people more as well. Yeah. You're a very, very inspiring person. Thank you. We're going to go to a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about why there is such a stigma around mental health back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back talking about Mental Health Empowerment Day with Cognitive Behavioral Therapy Counselor Leanne Matlow, author of Me and My So-Called Friend Sharon Nice Arbus, and fine art photographer Lindsay Holland. And it was so fascinating in the com- in the commercial just now. We were talking about Leanne's book, Thinking About Thoughts, and just the synergy between what you were saying. Yeah, um, I'm I'm holding the book in front of me, and um, it's it's amazing because I didn't read it before, but it's exactly kind of what I did without knowing that I was doing a therapy. And you know, your brain may be playing a mean trick on you, and that you know your brain may be saying it's all black and white, and it's. Uh, you can tell your brain. You can take that thought. It's your ego. And, and there's a whole reason for, th- for that part of our brain, but we don't need it in our society right now. And to be able to take it apart and hold it and say, you know, thank you for trying to protect me, but I, I can do this mm-hmm. and I can make a choice about how I want to feel and understanding that that part of your brain just wants to protect you. And, but you need to know in your heart that you can do it. Do you but think it's, you, yeah, sorry, 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 go it's ahead. about, yes. it's about building bravery and right? being, absolutely and about being brave enough to say, I've got this, I've got this, or I can have that. I know you're trying to tell me I can't, but watch out. I can. <laughs> I can. And <laughs> when you told your story now, yeah. that's, there's that moment of empowerment that's so powerful and, and incredible. And thank you for sharing it. Thank you. It yeah. does help. People hearing those stories, it helps people. So good That's for you. That's wonderful. Really. That's a wonderful thing. And your positivity also yeah. on this show, Finding Your Bliss, because you have found the positive. And I think yes. you're thinking positive thoughts. Yes. And can we train our minds to think positive thoughts? I, I think that we can. 
I think one of, you know, you asked me what the other issue that we have today. And I think one of the issues is also this myth of happiness. Yes. This idea that we're always going to be happy or that we want to, you know, parents will say, I just want my child to be happy. And that really shouldn't be the goal because life is, you know, you're seeing all these colors in your photography, right? Life is a mosaic of emotions and feelings. And really what we have to do is allow our kids to have all of them Mm -hmm. and be able to have the feeling and then have a thought related to it and then pick how we choose to react to it. So um, I think that it's it's about choice, right? It's not about happiness all the time. But I think what's really important is being able to recognize those blissful moments and that's really enjoying them. And and I love the fact that you said just like Flowers have petals, right? (laughs) Like living in the now. And we're so fixated on the news or our telephones. But like turn it off and look around and look at the person you're talking to or look at the grass or look at the beautiful leaves as they're changing colors or the snow you're walking in. And you'll actually feel better. So Mm -hmm. that's that self-care that we just don't do because we're pressured to be doing something else all the time. There should be a disclaimer on Instagram photos because (laughs) everyone posts perfect pictures, (laughs) happiness all the time. And that's not what life is about. I mean, sure, there's happy moments, but it's just someone who is so young and just starts getting on Instagram, it can actually be very dangerous. It absolutely is. And also, how do you recognize the happy moments if you don't have the other moments? Absolutely. And I think that's really a lesson that that's that's the reality mm-hmm. that we should that parents need to be teaching kids that we and should be, be more them, realistic and to be themselves yes mm-hmm. and that there's no model right. for, and, and, a, and for and a human bl- <laughs> and your bl- and your bliss may be very different than that's someone right, else's right. and that's okay that's, that's actually the good. what makes the world better <laughs> yes right it makes the world better yes. that we all are not cookie cutter individuals that's right I wish I could take pictures as you do, but I can't. But that's why people like you exist. And and I think, you know, it's it's really important that people honor each other's journeys and each yeah. other's bliss and, and what gets them there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, there's Absolutely. people like Lindsay who are brave enough to come today and to share your story. But then there's others who are much younger than you or in middle school and they're really scared. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the motivators for writing the book is that it's aimed at middle school kids and that they have a fictional character that they could relate to Mm -hmm. and learn from and have to build the courage, bravery to talk to somebody about it. Absolutely. It's so incredible. It's so incredible that you've done this. Um, This is for anyone. There's such a stigma still in almost 2020 surrounding mental health issues. Years ago, you couldn't say the word cancer. You had to whisper it. Now we're able to talk about it freely. And when it comes to mental health, why is there such a stigma? If someone's diabetic, you, you would give them insulin and no one would question it. So how do we combat this? I, I think it's in, because it's invisible and it goes on in somebody's head and there's no way for somebody to understand that because it's all different as well. Everyone experiences it differently and everyone has mental health. I mean, that's right. And so if someone's struggling, then that's their own personal struggle. It's very difficult to, for some people to put that into words or express it. And then maybe I think they're not believed or they're told that it's not a big deal um, or to cope or to get over it. Um, 
I, I think some of it, on one hand, I'm a little more positive as we're moving into 2020 in that the next generation, the young people want to talk about it. Yes. They see the importance of it. You know, campaigns, public campaigns, celebrities, athletes coming forward and saying, this is real. And we all have physical health. So, of course, we all have mental right. health. <laughs> and and I think um, the change is coming and I think it's going to come bottom up. I think it's going to come from the youth. Mm-hmm. And I think it also comes from the fact that, unfortunately, we can't ignore it anymore. It's It's not even the elephant in the room. It's bigger than that. Mm-hmm. It's becoming such a crisis that we really need to. And what there is help and hope for people struggling with mental health and and if issues and if we talk about them and if we train them in school and in a young age to have these skills to understand their thoughts to become resilient to allow them to fail allow mm-hmm. them to um experience a little bit of un- discomfort mm-hmm. and and make that the norm yes. um they're going to be better off we shouldn't be shocked when they go off to college or university and that's the first time they've ever had to do anything on their own and then we're shocked that they don't know how to do right. it right. so i think those the kids and the young gen xers or gen z whatever it's called these days they know that this issue is really important and they're demanding it in the workplace. I see that across the board. They want these topics discussed. And I think that's actually the hope that those of us that are slightly older have in the room. <laughs> that it's going, it's going to, that it, it's coming. It's coming. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this Brave the Waves program, if that was in everyone's high school or middle school, um, you know, just the same as the health program is or... A math program it should be mandatory. It should be. <laughs> it really should be. I think it would it would change the world. Absolutely. Right. So the mental yeah. right and the curriculum, the new government curric- government health curriculum is starting to address it. It's coming through their physical education, mm-hmm. and that's I think it's fantastic. Kids are willing to talk, and that's really the hope that we're going to be able to normalize this. And we also, as you said, it it is invisible. Mm-hmm. But there's also, I think you asked the question about stigma because we still blame people. We yeah. still think we think people are weak if they're not managing. Um, right. We question it as if it's it's normal just to manage. And I think we need some more understanding mm-hmm. of one another. And especially when you look at the statistics, it may be you now, but it could be me in two months. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we just need to just... Um, normalize it so that we can help each other so that we get through and that we get through together. Absolutely. So I have to say asking for help is a strength, not a weakness. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And we really need to get that message out because it's not about being macho and it's not, you know, and with all due respect to the Internet, you can't research everything on WebMD and find (laughs) the answer. (laughs) So talking about it to somebody and, you know, in Sharon's book, uh, reaching out to someone, Mm -hmm. someone, there is got to be someone in your life. And isn't it important that once you do reach out, though, that the educators and the parents know how to answer questions properly? What advice would you give to parents and teachers on how to talk to kids? And similarly, how can we encourage youth and teens to speak up to the right people? And that's why we created Mental Health Empowerment (laughs) Day, to give the parents the words. I was telling Sharon, there's 
the, one of the latest studies now said we should stop treating the kids and just treat the parents. <laughs> Here is a clip from Asante Houghton, peer training support manager at Stella's Place, who is speaking tomorrow at the Mental Health Empowerment Day. And in this clip, he is speaking specifically to parents of teens and youth. Let's play that clip. It is not a sign of weakness to ask for help. It does not mean you're a bad parent. It does not mean there's something wrong with you, your family, or your child. Sometimes we just need help. Even the best of us, those of us at the top of our game, we have coaches. We still need supervision. We still need uh, resources and tools. So uh, in asking for help, what we're really doing is adding more tools to our toolbox. It's really hard to be a support person all the time for someone who's struggling without getting support yourself. So being able to create a network of support for yourself is really important. And some of us are really lucky to have that in, in our own personal lives with our family, friends, colleagues, whoever it might be. But if we don't have those resources available to us in the present, um, we can try to go out and find those resources. We should be educating people, but we need to train the teachers. And there are many people who are capable of doing that. So getting it into the PD of all the schools and um, having forums for parents to come and learn and build the skills. And, and they're out there. I think if you are going to search something on the internet, search those kinds of things, parent workshops, mm -hmm. things that are out there to get the skills that you need. Can you describe the Mental Health Empowerment Day like exactly what people are going to experience when they walk through those doors at 930 in the morning till 1 p.m.? What, what's going to unfold? So we've, we've done a lot of um, work to make sure that it's both visibly fun and also educational. So we have, um, we have a silent auction, which we got some really good stuff there. <laughs> we've got a Mitch Marner signed shirt. We have a... <laughs> a Lowry signed shirt. We have some other cool things. We've just had an incredible swell of people wanting to support the initiative, which is great. But we're also going to have um, some lived experience young people who are beyond incredible telling their stories, just as Lindsay just had. And they're going to talk about what it was like for them in high school and in middle school mm and have a parent talk about what it was like to observe mm -hmm. their child at, during that time and not knowing where to turn. My and goodness. having Dr. Ari Zaretsky, who's the head of psychiatry, um, and we're also having someone talk about um, addiction, right? We all know that marijuana is now legal in Canada. What are the impacts of that? Right. So there's going to be a lot of information. There's good snacks, of course. Mm. And I'm hoping... Oh, look at... Now, I wish this was... I wish <laughs> you guys could see this. But Leanne brought a beautiful to Zoomer to our show, Mental Health Empowerment Day mug, a gorgeous red and white mug, and this wonderful for tea's sake Vitaly tea. That's right. <laughs> we, we like to give um, anyone who comes gets to leave sort of empowered mentally with some good skills and a little bit of swag to take off because we also all need to relax. Yeah. But tea is great. There's lots of things. We're going to make sure that anyone who attends, um, I, we want it to be worth their while. And I do believe that it will be. So they'll get some snacks. There's always coffee because, as I mentioned, I like coffee. <laughs> and hopefully opportunities to network. And we have a marketplace of individuals like Sharon and some other people who have some excellent resources that they may not find anywhere else. Oh, that's and great. that's really going to be 
fantastic for them to come meet the authors themselves and um, have some resources that they wouldn't get anywhere else. It's so worthwhile. Navigating the system is very difficult. Can you speak about this and does the conference address this at all? So this year we're also having the Family Navigation Unit from Sunnybrook where they're going to have a table set up at the event and we're going to talk about that exactly because that's one of the things. You see a problem, what do I do? Where do I go? Uh, wait lines are wait times are long. That's why we're having peer counselors come talk. That's why we're having Stella's place there. Um, so yes, that issue will be addressed. Um, I realize that's incredibly frustrating and it's very discouraging when you find out you have an 18 month wait time. So that's why another reason we want a community of support because maybe meeting with another family that's dealt with it or meeting with a peer counselor um, can, can really give you some strategies to get through. So. I got to tell you, you're doing a terrific thing here, Leanne, really. Thanks all of you, me. all of you are for, for being here. I would love to hear from each one of you a parting word or thought on what you hope to achieve or what message you want to impart to our listeners about mental health and hope. I'm going to start with Sharon. Okay. So what I hope to achieve when people read my book and go through my program is once you have support, your people, people who love you, believe in you, you can conquer anything. You're, you're just, you just feel that you're held up by people who love you and it makes things bearable. You can get through it and a little bit easier. Absolutely. That's wonderful. Thank you. And Leanne, a great parting thought to, to leave with our, our listeners today about mental health and hope and inspiration for the future. So, you know, we can go to the airport or you can go down to the TTC and it says, if you see something, say something. So I would encourage people to seek out hope, seek out help. It exists. If you know of somebody suffering, ask them. How are you? Is there something I can do? Maybe they need you to go with them to get the help. Um, I really want people, as you said, that we used to whisper about cancer. And my dream is now that we talk about mental health just the way we talk about going to get a checkup for our eyeglasses or going to the dentist. And I believe the more we talk, the more we feel we get to that stigma, the more we encourage people to come out and to learn, and maybe it won't be you, and I hope it isn't you, but maybe it'll be your neighbor, or maybe it'll be a guy on your soccer team or someone you golf with, and you might be able to be part of the solution to help somebody. Fantastic. That's really great. And I'm going to end with you, Lindsay. Just (laughs) some hope, some final message you'd like to impart to our listeners. Um, Again, being a photographer, I'm aware of the world around me, and there is a lot of beauty to be seen. And regardless of where you are, listeners, in your life and how you're feeling, um, I challenge you to go out and take a photo. Make a little folder in your uh, photos that are, you know, um, images that lift you up and images that make you feel good. Because if I challenge you to do one a day and you create that habit, eventually you're going to start seeing more than one Um, because they're everywhere and it might be a snowflake. It might be a chair in the middle of, uh, at the side of the street that just the color pops out at you. And if you can recognize that, wow, that kind of looks interesting, take a picture because, uh, 
you can kind of show yourself the good things and remind remind yourself of them. I love when you also said to me before the show, I challenge you all to look for one beautiful thing every day, even if you don't photograph it. Just look for one beautiful thing exactly. every day. I love exactly. that as well. I love that. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's so great. It, it's, it's changing so your It's so simple, habits. but it's so yeah. important. <laughs> yeah. It's the wonderful. Things. It is the little things. It's, it's so true. I... We have to make mental health a Canadian priority. I started with some stats and I have to end with some as well. Only half of Canadians experiencing a major depressive episode receive potentially adequate care. 75% of children with mental disorders do not have access to specialized treatment services. Aboriginal youth are about five to six times more likely to die by suicide than non-Aboriginal youth. The World Health Organization estimates one person dies by suicide every 40 seconds. We have to work together to do something about this crisis. We have to speak up and speak out as our guests have shown us today and make it safe for our children and our youth and all of us to come forward. And we need to create hope. This crisis is real. And to quote Cam H, you can just make it your mission to help those around to understand that mental health is health and that we can do something about it. I want to thank Lindsay Holland, and I encourage you to check out her art. It really is beautiful. Her website is www.lindsbeth.com. I'm going to spell that L-I-N-D-S-I-B-E-T-H.com. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. And thank you for being here, Sharon Nice Arbus, and make sure to order a copy on Amazon of me and my so-called friends. And finally, thank you to Leanne Matlow And please check out the Mental Health Empowerment Day tomorrow at 1700 Bathurst Street, Beth Seddick Congregation from 9.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. And don't forget to pick up a copy of Leanne's beautiful book, Thinking About Thoughts Great for Children and Children of All Ages. Also an exciting announcement that entrepreneur, best-selling author, philanthropist, and incredible life and business strategist, Tony Robbins is going to be in Toronto on Wednesday, October 30th. A recognized world authority on leadership psychology, Tony Robbins is here with his event, The Power of Success, a one-day extravaganza starring Tony Robbins and featuring live guests, Rachel Hollis, Molly Bloom, John Gray, Gary John Bishop, Phil Town, and Sunny. For more information or to get tickets, go to www.powerofsuccess.ca. I'm going to close with a meditation from Yoga International. And of course, I'll say to any of you who are driving, please turn off your car, turn off the ignition, open the window, recline back, and gently close your eyes. First, make yourself comfortable. You can lie on your back or sit comfortably, perhaps on a bolster or a few folded blankets. For additional support, feel free to sit against a wall or a chair, or if you're more comfortable, just lie back comfortably. And if you are lying down, feel the connection between the back of your body and the mat. If you are seated, lengthen up through your spine, broaden through your collarbones, and let your hands rest gently on your thighs, palms either facing up or down, whatever feels more comfortable. Once you're settled, close your eyes or soften your gaze and tune into your breath. Just notice your breath without trying to change it. 
And notice also if you feel tense or relaxed without trying to change that either. Inhale through your nose and then exhale gently through your mouth. And continue to take deep breaths in through your nose and out through your mouth. And as you breathe, just become aware of the state of your body and the quality of your mind. Where is your body holding tension? Just take both of your hands and place them over your heart and continue to inhale through your nose and exhale gently through your mouth. And ask yourself, how does it feel to place my hands over my heart, this place where I experience love for self and others? Let your breath become more smooth and effortless and begin to breathe in and out through your nose. Feel the flow of air moving into your lungs and then back out into the world. With each exhale, imagine you are releasing any, any negative thoughts that may be lingering in your mind. Continue to focus on your breath and on each inhale, think, I am worthy. And on each exhale, I am enough. Let each inhale draw in self-love and each exhale release what is no longer serving you. Take a few moments to breathe and recite this mantra internally. Notice how you feel as you say these words to yourself. If your mind wanders at any point, that's okay. It's just the nature of the mind to wander. Simply bring your attention back to the breath. Notice how your thoughts come and go and simply allow them to pass on by like clouds floating on the sky. Now visualize yourself standing in front of a mirror and look into your own eyes. What do you see? Regardless of what appears in the reflection, tell yourself, I love you. You are beautiful. You are gorgeous. And you are worthy of happiness. Know that what you see in the mirror in this moment may be different from what you see the next time you look. And that is okay too. Imagine now that you could breathe into your heart and visualize love pouring out of your hands and into your heart. Let this love warm and permeate you from your heart center, filling the rest of your body. Allow a sensation of warmth to fill you from head to toe. Breathe here and know that love is always available for you whenever you need it. And when you're ready, just take a few more deep, mindful breaths and then softly open your eyes. Sit for a few moments to acknowledge the unique experience you had during this meditation, refer back to this practice or any other resource you may have whenever you need to create a loving space for yourself. This is a beautiful opportunity to learn something new about yourself and tune into your physical and emotional needs. Let self-love enable you to build a stronger relationship with yourself and allow you to show up more fully in your life. I want to thank you all for being here. For all of us here at Finding Your Bliss, I'm Judy Liebrach, reminding you all to take one step closer to finding your bliss. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.